especially those of us that have service-based businesses that are really tied, you know, coaching or consulting or things like that, it can feel very personal when people say no. And sometimes people are just not kind in their no. And so while no matter how many times I can say it's not personal, it's not about you, it's whatever's going on with them, it still feels very personal sometimes. And so that's why self-care is such a big piece of it, you know, as well, when you're doing building your business. And I'm like, think about how you're going to take care of yourself and replenish yourself on those days when you do get the nose or those weeks when it's like, what, does anyone know how to spell the word yes? Right? Because those seasons happen. Yeah. You are listening to the Launch Playbook Podcast, the weekly podcast for service-based business owners to discover the starts, stops, and tools of transformation that go into launching their online offers. I'm your host, Sarah Bartanian, and if you want to launch your ideas into the world faster with more success and less burnout, well, friend, consider this show your secret playbook to get you there. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Nadia Brown, founder of the Doyen Agency, all about relationship-based sales, something I can't wait to get into because I know I've heard that around the internet, what that means in authentic sales conversations, but I know for myself, I'm still not quite clear on what that is, and maybe you are too, dear listeners. So I think this is going to be a great episode to help you not only in your launches, but also closing you know, your sales when you're sending proposals and just having better conversations with the people you love working with. So welcome, Nadia. Thank you. So glad to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this conversation. I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording around what we're going to get into today. And I know I'm going to go back and take notes afterwards. <laughs> so I feel, always feel so lucky when I'm doing these interviews because I'm like, I have a firsthand hour with somebody who is so smart in the industry. I'm so lucky. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> My own strategy hour. <laughs> so first things first, Dr. Nadia, how did you end up founding a sales agency? Why didn't you ask? <laughs> I always share, I was the least likely person to lead a sales agency. When I first left my corporate job and launched into this foray of entrepreneurship, I was really focused on leadership, doing leadership training and coaching or whatever, the things that I was doing with women at that time. But I sucked at sales. I'm just going to be honest. It was terrible. It was so bad. I don't even know how I survived as many years as I did because <laughs> I so bad at it. But for years, for a couple of years, I was able to kind of maneuver and just make it do what it do. And eventually it all caught up with me. There was way more going out than there was coming in. And I had to make a decision. And it was, Nadia, you either go back and just get a job and give it all up or you figure out how to do the sales piece Obviously, I'm still here. So I figured out how to do the sales piece. But something interesting happened along the way during that journey. And that was several years too. Like it was not, I don't know why. I feel like I'm a pretty smart girl, but it really, the sales thing was eluding me for a very long time. One of the things that happened is not only did I learn how to sell, I learned how to sell in a way that felt great to Nadia, but I started training other people. And so there were people out there <laughs> who knew then I now had a different secret around sales. And that was that I could actually help women. And so it took me about a year of waffling and kind of hiding out and people, different people like Nadia, why don't you help other women? Like you're not the only woman 
than leading a business that had this challenge with sales help us. And it wasn't until I had a conversation, honestly, with my husband. I don't know about you, but I hate it when he's right. <laughs> he totally called me out. Hard agree, hard agree. <laughs> and he's just like, so Nadia, let me get this straight. You're excited about helping people with sales. And I was like, yes, people are reaching out to you. Although you're doing nothing to tell them that this is even an option. And I was like, yes. And they're willing to pay you to do this. And I was like, yeah, like, isn't this amazing? And he's like, and you're not doing it because you're afraid of a fitness? Like, what is, like, help me understand what is happening right now. And I was just like, well, when you put it like that, that that's not kind of crazy. So maybe I should make some different choices. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> that's how it came to be. I love that story so much. I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a lunch copywriter and I, we spend so much time on the research and the validation. You had it all right there for you. <laughs> you just had to be like, okay, fine. I'll do this. Right. Go basically like, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll do a launching agency and we'll do some sales stuff. And I have no idea what it's going to look like. And yet we figured it out. And so once you actually decided, okay, I'm going to go on and I'm going to do this. What happened from there? And how long have you been doing that for? So we actually made that transition five years ago. It actually, I almost hate to admit this, but part of it was kind of easy. It wasn't nearly as hard as I thought it would be, mm-hmm. but I did have to make some some decisions. So one decision was I stopped the coaching programs that I was doing at the time because I really, I felt like I needed the focus. And if I had this out, I would take it. I don't always recommend that because obviously you're running a business and I was just, I totally just cut off an arm of revenue. But in, the, in, the, in that moment and based on where I was mentally, I just felt like that was the best decision. It was also motivated, like get your life together and make some quicker decisions. We also started with just doing Doug for you sales support. Part, one of the gaps that I noticed and I still noticed is that women business owners are out here, they're doing their thing. A lot of us start our businesses because we want to help that person or we want to do this thing or we see this gap. We don't always have our initial focus on the money we can make. That's usually, it's, it's on the list somewhere for some of us mm-hmm. hired and other business, usually not our number one. We usually don't start a business and say, I want to go into this business making a gajillion dollars. It's usually somewhere later. It's like, oh yeah, we can make money doing this. Yeah, then let's do that. And so we started doing sales support for business owners. And basically what that looked like was literally you're doing your thing from a marketing messaging, being the face. And then when people start started to enter your pipeline, so a lot of times that was when they filled out some type of form, maybe to schedule a strategy session, then that's where my agency stepped in and picked up the ball. And it was an experiment. So I wasn't 100% sure how to price it, how to structure it, how to do it. So a lot of times it was just, Sarah, we're going to try this. And then, you know, and Susie, we're going to try this. And, you know, and then eventually we kind of found our groove. But it was amazing because 18 months after, so we started in June of 2017. We had formally with the agency and I, you know, hung up my shingle and I was like, all right, people, I'm doing this. And by the end of 2018, we'd done over a million dollars in sales. Like I, wow, it, it was insane. I was like, wait, what? How? Why? Of course, my clients are like, heck yeah, call Nadia. Just, just call her. Just call her. Pay her and call her. <laughs> so that was that was how it started. 
That's amazing. And now since then, you do more than just the the done for you. That's, I think, just a branch, right? You've expanded. Yes. Yeah, so, so we get through that and, you know, I'm doing my thing and I'm having a blast. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. But I'm a teacher at heart. And I was like, if I don't start teaching people, I'm going, something is going to happen inside of me. So we started adding training programs. And we also just realized that for us to really do a great job and it to all make sense for our company to do sales support, businesses had to be at a certain level. Your program had to be a certain investment. Like it just had to be that way. We, trust me, we've been through the whole trial and error. It was, you know, to make it a win, win, win all the way around. It was like, we just had to put those parameters in place. But then that left a whole lot of people out in the cold. And also they could still learn from my approach and like, you know, talking about relationships and, and just how to get to that point where they could then hire us to support them. And so that was when we started doing more training and we've been adding more training even now to just be able to work with those business owners. And I love training. I love strategy. I totally geek out on that. So it's a win-win for me. I'm happy. They're happy. It's all good. <laughs> That's amazing. I love how that you dove in and saw what was working and then just were adapting as, as you went to what people needed. And now also like that fills your pipeline too, right? You're saying like they come in, they, they've started making the money, doing the things so they can hire you. Yeah. So yeah. And then where do you like to spend most of your time these days then? It's almost about 50-50. Actually, more like thirds. I'm also, <laughs> I'm having to come out of the shadows a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So it was really easy to fall into. I'm the salesperson, but I'm also easy to hide. Especially like at events, you're in the back of the room or you're some remote location. <laughs> where it's kind of sticky somewhere you talk to people, you get them enrolled. And so, especially now that we're working with a different type of entrepreneur, where I'm doing, you know, I'm being more visible, you know, so those types of things. So it's causing me to be, have to split my time between, am I doing a training or are we promoting a training? Am I just really focused on marketing stuff? Because Nadia, we still need you to show up for that, (laughs) you know, and then are you doing any types of strategy or supporting the team? Like I've been really working to get more support in that area so we can serve more people because at one point, you know, there's only one Nadia and there's only so much of her to go around. So you yeah. definitely have to have that in place. So you, you do what you teach your clients to. You teach your team. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. So let's just pull back a little bit. I thought we should get everyone on the same page. What does it mean by relationship-based sales? So glad you asked because I see this term and then I have an experience and I'm like, well, that's not how I would have defined what that looks like. So for me, relationship-based sales has an actual focus on the relationship. I feel that a lot of times it's easy to fall into the trap of treating our interactions with prospects or leads as very transactional. And you'll find sometimes in sales, the focus is heavily on getting the credit card or getting the sale, which I get. We're having a sales conversation. We need revenue and sales to have a business. I get all of that. But sometimes it's to a fault where now people are treated and they feel it that they are just another number. And if they are not ready or in a position or whatever to make that particular investment at that time, they're almost cast aside as in, you know, you're just whatever. And so my philosophy around sales is that we need to focus on those relationships. We need to not treat those interactions as transactions. 
but really treat them as opportunities to start building a relationship. Whether that person says yes, and we get to work with them now, or they are like, not yet, let me think about it or get things in place or whatever the case may be. Then we have systems to support us and to continue to build and nurture that relationship. Because I have seen where people have come back years with an S later. <laughs> so this was not quick. They've come back and they're like, okay, now I'm ready. And what happens if you made that person feel like they were inconsequential because they could not take your desired action in that very moment, they wouldn't have come back. But when you make people feel seen and you actually listen to them and they know it, then they realize you have their best interests at heart. And that goes a long way in building that relationship. And it does often equate to sales, whether they buy or they refer someone else. They're like, no, you got to go talk to this company because they're, they're going to look out for you. They're going to take care of you. And if they can't help you, they'll point you in the right direction. And that is something that I don't see enough of, I think, in sales. My gosh, I'm just going to say for the years piece, I have been that person. And as you're talking, it really strikes me why that was. And it's because you're right. Like, I wasn't ready when I had the call with them. I got information. And but they still were in my, you know, they still would sometimes reach out to me in a really lovely way. They're still in my world. They would still sort of cheer me on or say, oh, I thought about you and you might like this article or I'm sending you this thing. What over the time? And I came back to, you know, one of them I came back to two years later and spent $15,000. Like, I just yeah. wasn't ready before. But when I was ready, I was ready. Right. That was my person. And I was like, let's go. <laughs> yes. And you love those goals. You're like, I remember calling the person I was messaging her and I was like, I know you're not opening enrollment until like February, but it was like, this was, I guess, December, like right before Christmas the other, like a year ago. And I was like, but can we get in? Like, can I just like pay? Can I get on the roll? Can I stay in the spot? She's like, yeah. But you're so true. Like, I know I've experienced that for sure. And it's, but then I've also experienced the opposite where I'm like, this is really doesn't feel very good. And actually, I think I actually dodged something here. Like, I'm, I'm glad that I, <laughs> yep. I'm glad I've had a moment of hesitation or I'm glad the funds were, you know, easily acceptable in that moment or whatever. Cause you're like, yeah, that would have been. Yeah, that was that. probably good. It's you know, absolutely. So, so speaking of that, then what do you think it is about sales that go icky or make people feel icky? I think one of the things is we've all probably had a bad experience. Like just about everyone I've talked to is like, oh my gosh. Like you said, I've been on the re- receiving end mm-hmm. of it. And I think sales overall as a profession doesn't necessarily have the greatest rep. So we bring all of that into it when we realize that we have to do sales. It's like, crap, I don't want to be that person. And that's the baggage that we bring in. And and it brings up the ick because it's like, I know I need to do this in order to build my business, but I don't want to be that salesperson and whatever memory comes to mind is usually not that we usually don't first think of the, the great experiences we've had. Right. We yeah. think of the traumatic <laughs> ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that, and a lot of that is what happens. It just brings all of that up. The fear of rejection. I don't want to be rejected. That brings up crap we don't want to deal with. You know, it's just like, Ugh. and so yeah, we rather, we rather go post on social media or, you know, do anything else <laughs> other than have sales conversations because why would I do that? And I will also add, especially those of us that have service-based businesses that are really tied, you know, coaching or consulting or things like that, it can feel very personal when people Mm -hmm. say no. And sometimes people are just not kind in their no. 
And so while no matter how many times I can say it's not personal, it's not about you, it's whatever's going on with them, it still feels very personal sometimes. And so that's why self-care is such a big piece of it, you know, as well, when you're doing building your business. And I'm like, think about how you're going to take care of yourself and replenish yourself on those days when you do get the nose or those weeks when it's like, what, does anyone know how to spell the word? Yes. Right. Because those seasons happen. Yeah. yeah. I think we just need to be prepared to, you know, to face them, but it's hard. It's not easy. Oh my gosh. You're so, it's so true. And I think as you were saying before that so many of us, and I think of like women, you know, especially going to business with like our full hearts. And like you said, the money, we, we like to make money, but it wasn't like probably the top thing. So mm-hmm. it, it's so personal that we've done this and we've, and we put things on the line probably like with our family and other things to do this. So it does feel like, even though we know like our brain, you know, logically, okay, it's not us, but still our heart hurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, what happens, right? We, I think we sometimes, I know I do. I could go down a what if rabbit hole. And again, that is never a great journey. <laughs> it's never what if these wonderful things happen. It's always like, oh my gosh. And like, oh, what if this doesn't work? Or, you know, what if we, we run out of money or what if, you know, and especially like, especially for me, having had that experience where I've had to go through a difficult season in my business, there's a part of me that is like, I don't want to go through that again. Right. And so, you know, how do you move past that and not allow that to continue to influence your interactions in your business or with sales conversations? When you, because you, we've gone through some things, some, you know, you've been around long enough, you've been through some stuff, right? It's like, yeah, I don't want to do that again. Absolutely. Uh, and we got to keep moving. My gosh, it's true, right? We're, we're bringing, whether we're on the receiving end or the selling end, we've all got our stuff that we're bringing to the conversation. Yes. yes. And that worry. And I know I can relate to what you're saying with that, that I have had those seasons where it's been tighter and I've been worried and I feel like I bring that to the conversation. This mm-hmm. like My sales rate or closing is so much better when I am not in that space, mm-hmm. for sure. There's a whole there's a whole different approach and you can feel it. But I think I know for myself, the longer I've been in business, the better I can put aside that stress. But it's still it's still hard. It still shows up, still sits on my shoulder. Like It does. Excuse me, Sarah. <laughs> Have you seen what's happening? <laughs> you know, you really could use this fail right now. You're like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I, everything's okay. Everything's fine. <laughs> this episode of the Launch Playbook Podcast is brought to you by my free launch maps. They're a complete step-by-step map of all your launch assets you know exactly what messaging notes to hit and when to share each piece of copy. Because I know that you have signed up for many freebies over the years, only to be disappointed with the Canva PDF that hardly gave you any info. But I promise you the launch maps aren't that. When I showed these to my OBM, she literally walked off the screen that I was giving away this for free. This is the exact launch map template I use for every single one of my one-on-one clients. And inside, you'll be able to personalize, tweak, and repeat a strategy for your messaging for each and every launch from pre-launch to post. Go and get your free launch map at www.sarahvartanian.com slash launch dash map. So let's talk about how do we actually start having these relationship based sales in our business? Where can we start? So one way that I say is to first think about how you want people to feel 
to just take a step back to think about as your prospects or as your leads are going through the journey of getting to know your company, and then they start interacting more with you or your team, how do you want them to feel? And what do you want that experience to look like? I feel like sometimes we just kind of do and we don't really pause and think about, is this the way I want this to go? So starting there is great. The other piece is when you're going into sales conversations, one, give yourself enough time to have a conversation that you can feel good about. You're not rushing. And because that's the other thing, I like I have 15 minutes to close a $30,000 sale with someone I don't even know. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. I would love to get to know you, but I don't have time for your story. And it's like, wait, what? So give yourself time. I know when we first started, I would schedule my sales conversations for 45 minutes. I kid you not. I was like, I have all the time in the world to connect, to not feel rushed, to really get to ask the questions, which is another thing. Like, what are the questions that you need to ask to not only connect, but to really help you determine, is this person really a good fit? And is my initial offer that I had in mind going into this conversation the best? Because sometimes we're like, oh, well, they may be in this particular program. And then you start talking to them. You're like, actually, this would be better. But when we don't take the time to really to ask those questions, to dig a little bit deeper, it sometimes doesn't come up. So being able to do that is really important. I think really understanding that sales conversations are really about you being able to get to know that person and then helping them connect the dots and how the problem that they're having and the solution that you provide actually go together is really important. And we sometimes assume that because what we do is clear to us, is clear to them, and it's not. (laughs) So that part of our job is asking those questions understanding what is going on with them and for them and what they desire to see happen and then being able to help. Like you said this, here's how we can help with that. You know, and really being able to do that is how you start to do that process. And what's at risk for our business and those relationships if we don't ask these type of questions? One, I think it does impact your your close ratio. I also feel that what happens and it's easy to do in our world these days is we're always focused on the new leads. Always. Most, just about anybody's going, I need more leads, which may or may not be true. You probably do need some great leads. However, how are you taking care of the leads that you already have? How are you nurturing those relationships? I feel like we end up leaving a lot of money on the table when we don't take care and nurture relationships with people we have that are in that in-between space. But think about your clients. Think about your former clients. Most of us can still in some way serve our clients at some point in the future, even if it's not right away. But how many times have we either gone through a program, the program was over, that person threw us out with the bathwater to never to be heard from again, or we've done it ourselves because we're like, I'm on to the next. And so again, really taking the time to look at your systems and your processes and like, how do we continue to have these relationships to, to, to continue to stay connected? It doesn't have to be this 90 page plan. Like it could seriously just be, we sent a new year's card. Like, Hey, how you doing? Or whatever. I remembered your birthday. Like it could be simple. But like you said, when you hear from that person and you, that you, the fact that you took the time to remember something personal about them 
when so many other people treat them like a transaction, it helps you to stand out. And so they either send referrals and those people a lot of times show up ready to buy. They're like, I don't even know what I'm buying. I've had this conversation. So-and-so told me to call you. I'm not even a hundred percent sure what I'm buying, but I'm ready. And I'm like, okay, well, let me answer any questions you have. And then they're ready to move forward. And that is because of having a focus on relationships. So when you take the time, it does pay off. Although it does require a, probably a little bit more time than sometimes we're willing to give or we feel like we have available. You know, I get it. We're busy. We have a lot of moving pieces, you know, add family or personal life in there. And yeah, you're, you're pretty full. But it's really important that we do have that focus on relationships. Oh my gosh, I so agree. And I want to tell a little story. Just I haven't talked about it with our listeners, but and it just it strikes me as exactly what you're saying. So someone had gotten a sales call with me, and it wasn't the right time, and the it was the right investment for them at the time. We've been in touch on and off, but she referred me to her business. I guess she talked about me to her business partner. Her business partner told a friend about me. That friend messaged me. It was back in November. And was like, I want to work with you, and chose my biggest package, which is like multiple by figures. So that biggest package, we worked through that package. And it was like a yes right away. It was like, I heard that you were great from her. And so, yes. And then as you were saying, she was like, how do we, how do we keep having more of this magic? And I had never before Nadia had a package after my, so I have, a, I do launch copywriting. I helped them through launch. And then usually it's like, okay, bye. I'll stay in touch with them and like, I'll check in on how their launch was. But there wasn't really something else unless they're doing another launch. But this client was like, I really want more of this. And there were great things we could do. I could see it. So for the first time ever, I offered like a, I call it my secret menu offer, which like is, which is like this monthly reoccurring VIP CMO kind of day we do together. I had never done that before. And I was like, this is magic. And since though, I've now sold like three other of those after mm-hmm. for every single one of my big clients come through because they're like, yeah, I want more of this. And I was like, how much did I leave? on the table and how much like stress have I put myself through because I never considered it before. Yep. And so that's what I wanted to tell like the listeners. I am very much resonating with this and it's so very true. It is. It's something that clients will tell us. They're only like, I got this. Will you do it? And I'm like, duh, sure. Like, I never thought of that. Thank you. Okay. And like you're saying like, yeah, sure. I want more lead. You know, I, you know, I always think about like having more leads, but actually, you know, when you can think about what else can you do to serve the people you have, like you're saying, how much less stress business has been in general because I'm just working more deeply with the clients I already have. Yeah. But it has been like a huge change for like my business, my stress, just like the relations with the clients this year and the things that we're doing together. It's been pretty amazing. And yeah. uh, what was I doing all these years before? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at your like, you know, some of it is just more pragmatic mm-hmm. in terms of it actually costs less. Yeah. To work with someone you've already built this relationship with than to go after continually to go after new leads. And I think people in our, you know, it's easy to get caught up in that. I just mm-hmm. always need new leads versus how, like you said, how can I work more deeply with the people I already work with? I already like them. I know I'm already like you. Exactly. And you know, you've already had a great experience. Like, why don't we do more of that? I work with more of those sure. people. And it's actually so much more efficient, I think, too, for the person who hires you because they're not doing those like onboarding forms all the time. Like, like we know each other, right? You know, to right. goodness, you can like be so much more effective with the time that you have as well with them. Yeah. Because you already have that relationship. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's, it's great for, they don't have to start over. They don't have to look for someone else. They're feeling the gap. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. 
So if we wanted to put more of these like authentic sales conversations into place, are there any kind of systems that can help us do so? I recommend creating what I call a conversation guide. You will find that Nadia is not a fan of scripts. I feel they are too limiting for us creative beings. <laughs> and a conversation guide really just helps. One, it helps you stay focused. Because I know like for me, it's easy for me to get off track. It's also, I, I just talk faster when I get nervous. So I'm just like, it's like Nadia, slow down. The conversation guide also gives you the flexibility to really talk to the person that's in front of you versus like, I got to follow this script that this. she says this and I say this. And so again, in a line with, you know, how you want it to feel is how do I want this conversation to flow? What are the questions that I would want to know about someone? What are the questions I just need to ask to see how we can best serve someone? What are some of the stories that I might share? Whether it's about me, my experience, client testimonials, whether I've shared their names or not, like really thinking about that and make it a conversation. So you're thinking about the elements of the conversation. You may write them down. Like I've written conversation guides for clients and like, this is not to be read verbatim. This is just mm-hmm. so you have these things at your disposal. And if you need to, it's like, oh yeah, I, you know, I can remember to share this story. And for those that eventually decide to grow a sales team, you now have a resource you can hand to your team and they can share it. It's filled with testimonials, stories about you, things that they can share and they can, you know, just run, take it and run with it. It also is a great way to start to help you think through what are the questions that people are asking? Where are the things that seem clear to me, but it's not clear to clients? Because that always happens. It happened to me recently. I spoke at an event last year. And a lot of the women in the room I knew already. And I was surprised, Sarah, at the number of people that came up to me and were like, I didn't know you did that. And to me, I was like, wasn't it obvious? So it wasn't, clearly. So I did an entire YouTube series on, here's what we do at the agency, because clearly no one knows what the heck we do over here. So again, you know, being able to take like, wait a second, how do I break this down so that people understand how we can best serve them? This is probably going to sound very obvious, but know what you are selling. (laughs) And you may be like, well, duh, but what'll happen, because I know sometimes it happens to me, is we can get excited because we see the possibility for that person. And if I don't catch myself, I will do this to this day, even though I know better. And I will be like, well, we can help you with this. Or you know what? Now that I think about it, we could do this. And if I, no, 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 no. Pick something and start there. Because now you're confusing them. They're like, well, what, well, how much is that? And what about, and how much is this? And depending on how you lay it out, you've just really muddied the water. So be clear on what it is you're offering. Even if you're in a season, like we were when we launched the agency of being experimental, when I went into a sales conversation, I'm like, this is how we're going to structure this offer. A, we'll see if they say yes. And then B, if they say yes, we'll see if we like this structure. That was how we did it versus me going in with 12 different options and be like, okay, you pick one. So I think that that's also important in being clear, even if you're in a season of, I'm not 100% sure how this may go or may test some different pricing, at least know going in that this is what we're testing today and we'll see how that happens. And then tomorrow or the next conversation, we may switch it up. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. And I think for our listeners here, we've talked often about like on sales pages, 
you know, not having too many different options and things like that. And even for the payment plans, like making it really clear. And I, and I see how that reflects here in our sales, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're the expert. And so we listen to them as you were saying, and we lead them to the right thing for them. Yep. Yep. So it's not confusing. Yep. And what I usually say in kind of the wording is, you know, based on what you've shared, here's what I recommend. Mm -hmm. I love that. Right. And so, cause like you said, I've listened, I've asked some questions. And so based on that, here's my recommendation. And then we can take the conversation from there once I've helped them understand why, you know, I've made that recommendation. And I imagine too, when you're having these deeper conversations and you're not just rushing those phone calls, like to get them into the one thing maybe they originally thought that they wanted, Mm -hmm. that you may probably see less refunds and things like that. Would that be accurate? Oh, yeah. There's that. Yeah. Yes. You see fewer refunds. I think also when there's a two piece to that. One is when you really help people understand why and they really feel like, you know, you're making a recommendation based on whatever. And sometimes your recommendation is more expensive. I just want to put that out there. Like, like you said, this is my biggest package. I didn't even go into this conversation thinking this is where it's going to go. But I've had those conversations where I went in thinking we were going to offer this. Ask the questions. And I'm like, you know, based on what you're sharing, I actually think this part B would be a better option for you. Share why. And they're like, yes. And a lot of times that option isn't the cheaper option, but they appreciate the fact that I was listening because it's like, oh, this is going to better serve me. So they also have buy-in to that. And then making sure your onboarding piece is tight. So here's what happens next. I think that's another piece of our sales process is, once a person says yes, explain to them what happens next so that they, especially I think for those bigger dollar up and bounce when we're like, what exactly did I just do? <laughs> You're like sweating. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not telling my husband about that. I'm not sure what I was thinking when I said yes to that. But you know, your onboarding process, here's what's going to happen next. And just explaining, you're going to receive whatever. And and the time frame, it doesn't always have to be immediately, but when people understand, that helps to kind of quiet, you know, the gremlins. Because now it's like, well, oh my gosh, did she just take my money? And it's like, oh my gosh, because that gremlin shows up. It's like, seriously, no. But when you didn't explain it to them, now you've just given that gremlin free reign to go nuts. And that's not what you want to happen with your new sales. So explain what's happening next. And then just make sure your onboarding process is there to support them. And are there any ways to serve that onboarding process that you prefer, like a tool or a system that you've seen work really well? Any type of automated tool that you have. So like your CRMs or things like that. Like I don't really have a preference, but I would say where I've seen this fall apart with teams is when there was that gap. So you didn't have that. Like if they, if they, even if you take a payment manually, that you have something that goes out, kind of like that confirmation, even it's like a basic welcome email. That you and I've had those for clients or even for myself, copy paste. It's a manual thing. It's not, but it's like, congratulations, you're in. Here's what you can expect next. Here's what you just purchased, right? You know, here are key dates. Go ahead and add these to your calendar. Those simple things help people to calm down. It's like, oh, this is what I've done. If you have any type of free work or assessments or things that they can get started working on, great. Not every business is at that place yet. But if you have it, throw it in there because now people, they're vested, they're getting their feet wet, they're starting to, you know, do their, that process. And it really kind of helps squash that inner nervousness with that they're maybe feeling about what exactly did I just do? 
my gosh. Yes. <laughs> How many times have we like, yeah, yeah, put in the thing into like, what's happened? <laughs> like, they get my money. <laughs> Uh, we actually just finished doing this for my CMO client. I was telling you about we because we'd gone through the launch and all these things, and she has a bunch of digital products. And we realized they were only getting the really simple receipts from WooCommerce afterwards, but they weren't getting any next steps until the day the actual class started, which could be six weeks later. And she was oh. getting a lot of inquiries, so we're like, let's just put it like a simple welcome email with like, here's how you can get started. Here's what you can expect next. And it like cut down her inbox issues. Yes. Like, oh my gosh, it's actually like not overwhelming. Because <laughs> she's really just me and her and her. Like, so she's like mm-hmm. managing her inbox. So I think as you're saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And you see it so obvious. You're like, really? But it's so... It's, it's a misstep like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you're like, surely. I, but I told them that it was going to be... Yeah. No, 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 no. For them, six weeks feel like 10 years. Yeah, but, you know, and they then they, they said they just put this money out there. It's been like a big step. We don't know how what they're bringing to that. And then I think I think like I know for myself as a, as a launch copywriter, often I see people spending more time in that in that sales pre portion and not the after portion. Yep, it's your yep. thing. It's like I love what you're saying because it's like I'm hello. This is very important. <laughs> it is because you're right. So you, they, you've been very attentive and responsive, and you know helping them make this decision. And then they make the decision and then it feels like crickets. Yeah. And then, you know, that's when a lot of the doubt or like you said, the inquiries yeah. are like, well, what happens next? And I know, and you're like, but I said that. And you're like, no, no, no. They probably weren't yeah, listening because they were dealing with their own internal whatever. So again, you come with your stuff, they come with their stuff. Mm-hmm. Anything that we could do to really help support them in that. And just to be clear, I, I was enrolled in a coaching program a couple of years ago. It was a $30,000 investment. It was like, cool child, okay. <laughs> okay, girl. But one of the things I absolutely loved about the process was the clarity. I was like, this I can get behind because it's like you pay your deposit, you do this. And then it was like, you will have some different, we had some personality assessments, some stuff about our business we had to do. And the coach was like, listen, you're going to do all of this work. And when you get all of this stuff submitted, then you can schedule your one-on-one call with me, right? So if I wasn't like, well, when am I going to have my one-on-one call? I'd be upset because I have so long ahead. Mm-hmm. Your one-on-one call is based upon you, Nadia, and how quickly you get through the things that we've asked you to do. And it was such that that level of clarity. And and so I didn't, like you said, because that was a like, okay, okay, I'm doing this. But also just like the level of, clearing clarity on what happens on the other side of this decision and being able to get plugged in and start doing the different assessments and filling things out and signing my agreement and whatever. It was just really a nice process. And so it could be as simple as that. Here's what happens next. Here's your, you know, onboarding or for those of us that have like done for you, right? I had a client and she was really just challenged with her clients in terms of the done for you option that they had. And I was like, what you need to do in your sales process is explain what happens next. Your team needs a good 30 to 45 days to gather information, to get things set up, to come up to speed in order to serve clients at the best level. And your clients now think that when they sign this contract and they pay their deposit, you guys are going to be doing stuff for them like three days later, if not sooner. And that is unreasonable. It just doesn't make it. It's not possible for you guys to do this. 
And when she made that shift, it was like, oh, okay, great. But I was like, do it in the sales process. So they're not surprised what this, once they've said yes. And they don't feel like, even though you didn't do that, that there's some type of, no, 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 this is how we work. This is what this looks like. And when you say yes, here's what you can expect next. And that cut down on a lot of the issues that they were having. I imagine you either really like bought into that by the time it happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like those examples you're sharing so much. And it comes back to what you're saying at the top of our conversation when we talked about like, if you don't say yes, how to keep that relationship going. But now you're talking about if you, they do say yes, how to keep that relationship going. Because yes. <laughs> we never like, I don't know, which is, I know it, it sucks and it hurts to have someone say no. And, you know, for whatever reason, you don't close the sale, when, especially when someone you want to work with. Let me just put that yeah. out there. But I think it hurts even more when they've said yes and now you're having issues or now they're wanting a refund or not like, you know, for no one sure. that conversation. And so as much as possible that we can, you know, really set expectations up front during the sales process and let and informing and educating. It's like, mm-hmm. this is how we do business. These are our processes. And we do this so that we can serve you at a high level so that we don't have these issues. The majority of people really appreciate it. And typically if they don't, they're probably not your client anyway. So then you dodge a bullet with that. For sure. So how do we know if we have a good close rate for talking about closing and, and, and clo- getting our sales in? So you're probably going to be shocked at what I'm about to say. <laughs> a good close rate is really one where you're hitting your goals. We all can improve, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes we're like, if it's 50% or 60%, sometimes when I hear super high close rate, I'm like, you're probably undercharging. So there's that, right? Like that's mm-hmm. sometimes can be just as detrimental. But when you take a moment to look at what are my goals and am I having enough conversations on a consistent basis to close whatever that number is, it keeps you out of comparison. Well, Dr. Nadia said that I, no, 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 no. Yeah. Are you having enough conversations? And closing enough people to hit your current goals. And then there are things that obviously you can do to improve your skills to close more people so you can have fewer conversations, especially as you start to get busier. But I think in the beginning, I encourage people to just have the conversations, to get accustomed to talking and understanding the questions that people ask. And do not put this unnecessary pressure on yourself that you have to have a certain close rate because that is just unnecessary pressure. You have enough pressure. And so whatever that goal is, if you're working towards, let's just start there. And then you start closing consistently. And then you can start to set your own personal records that you want to have. But that's kind of like your own internal competition versus this external, because we have enough external comparison and competition going on. So true. (laughs) So let's say that we're not hitting our goals. Is there any like missed opportunities for improvement that we you think that people could try and implement right away that might make a difference? One is follow-up. So where I see a lot of people miss goals or miss opportunities is you're having conversations, even if you feel like you're not having enough. And what are you doing to follow up with the people that you've already talked to? Did you set a date to follow up? Do you have what what does your follow-up process look like? And so thinking about that, and when I say follow-up, because a lot of times people feel like, oh my gosh, I have to call and bug people. No, it could be a phone call. It could be a text message. It could be your newsletter. If you have a regular newsletter, whether it's email or snail mail, it could be a lot of different things. Again, that goes to thinking through how you want people to feel. But then also ask a permission. Like, Sarah, how would you like me to follow up with you? What is your preference? 
And what's a good timeline? Like, what happens to just having a conversation? That's so good. I liked that right away when you said that. I was like, oh, yes, it's so nice. <laughs> I don't know. And then you get to tell me. I would love it if you were to send me a text message because I respond faster to text messages in three weeks. Great. I can do that, right? And then, then no, no one's wondering. You know how you're going to be followed up with. I know what my next steps are. And it's fabulous. And so I think that sometimes we just, we miss the obvious and we make it a lot harder than it has to be. Again, it's the focus on relationship. What is your preference? What makes the most sense? You know, what what timeline are you thinking about? And not being, t- you're not married to it. You're just honoring it. They say three weeks, if they say six weeks, if they say six years, you just say, okay. And then if there's something else you want to do, you may just ask, well, is it okay if, like if they said six years, you might want to say something to them before that. Is it okay if we add a do to our holiday mailing list so that, you know, we could stay in touch with you that way? Sure. And you get their mailing address. And, you know, so don't be overcomplicated. But I think where we all, I would dare say, miss opportunities is in the follow-up. No one likes to follow-up. No one likes to, you know, feel like they're bugging people. And so we tend to, you know, drop the ball in that area. That's such good advice. Okay. And now let's go the opposite tack. What does it really take to reach millions or sales or at least have those higher ticket sales? One, it takes a decision, right? And you may see this too. I'm fighting with people to be like, no, no, no. I need you to increase. And I'm not, they, I, it feels like maybe it because of the way I do my work that it feels like I'm just pulling these arbitrary numbers out of the air. But I'm like, no, 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 no. I have an idea of what it's taking. I'm over here in my internal calculator, like, check, check, mm, mm, mm. Like, I need you to increase the number. So, but first, it, make a decision and commit that you're going to sell high ticket. You, cause you're never going to hit it if you don't offer it and say, you know, whatever that number is. I think the other piece is when you make that decision, that also means you're making the decision that some people cannot afford you. And sometimes as women, I see this more than with women than I've seen with men. We get too wrapped up in the people that can't afford to work with us. And we somehow then make that our problem. I don't know why we do this, but we do it. I don't understand it. It's not your problem. It's not your fault. It just is what it is. You don't see, what's it, Porsche apologizing to people that can't afford a Porsche. It's like, you're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. If you can only afford a Toyota. Like, so why do we do this? So when you make that decision, that does mean that there are people that cannot afford you. And that is okay. You get to then decide, do you want to create something that they can't afford or not? And it's okay. And I think, you know, and understanding the progression. So I had a client, we did this. I came in, I was like, girl, we're not doing any of this. We're changing it. Yeah, she was, I was like, you have goals. We cannot get those goals when you sell a $50 session. Like you, girl, you won't have any time to do any, like this does not make any type of sense. And so we created a program. It was a one-on-one program. It was 10 grand to start. And she, this was her decision, not mine. And then she decided when she was on board that people could either do a one payment or two payments. That was it. Well, what happens is there were a lot of people that even if they could afford the 10, they couldn't afford to do it like that. But what happened, so we did that for an entire year. She committed that got cash flow in. She had a nice group of clients she was working with. And then behind the scenes, we were able to create some more leverage programs. So when she did launch her group programs, she had a nice size chunk of people that wanted to work with her, but could not afford to work with her at that level. 
who were excited when she rolled out programs that were in their price bracket that had more lenient payment terms and things like that. But I think sometimes we're nervous to make those types of commitments. They're like, well, what if they go buy from someone else? That doesn't mean they still can't buy from you, right? You know, so I think that just really thinking about the long game of business, because sometimes we're, we can be very short-sighted. Gosh, I really like that example and and how that by taking that action and create demand, mm-hmm. the other thing down the road. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, our launch, our first mm-hmm. launch was a six-figure launch. It was, and it was easy. Ooh, so good. Yeah, but she had to submit and trust. Yeah. When I'm yeah. like, no, we have one offer. <laughs> yeah. This one. And she was like, okay. And then that next year, she came out of the gate swinging, six-figure launch, and it was so easy. I was like, girl, yes, that's how you do it. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, the one offer there and that you yourself as well started with one offer going really in with one. Is that where you recommend we start or does it really depend on our business or? Because I've heard that around more and more people talking about just going all in on one thing at first. What are your thoughts around that? I would say for me, it really helped me to just focus. So I wasn't trying to think about a lot of different things, but I also wasn't trying to market to a lot of different audiences because that has been a challenge since we made the decision like, oh, wait, wait, I do want to work with this audience, but it's also required more of me. And there are days I'm like, why did I make this decision? So I think that there are, it's nice to have the one offer. It helps you to focus. It helps you to have just that one client avatar that you're focusing on. And if it's a higher ticket offer, it also helps to generate the revenue that we often need to help us to then be able to do some of the other things that we want to do. Like launching a course costs money. There are things you got to pay for and do. And you, before you know it, you're like, crap, I've put out all this money and I haven't yet gotten it back in. And so there are other ways that we can then create that cushion to do some of the other things that we want to do. Makes so much sense. So Dr. Nadia, if we could walk away with only one thing today, our listeners from this episode, what do you hope it would be? Okay, there's two things I want you to walk away with. One, I want you to walk away with really focusing on relationships and understanding the value of relational currency. And the second thing I want you to walk away with is that you can sell a high ticket premium offer and it doesn't have to have 97 million bells and whistles either. (laughs) You're cure. I like that. (laughs) And where can our listeners find out more about you? You can find out more about us on our website at thedoyanagency.com. We also have a Discover Your Sales Blind Spot quiz that you can take that at discoveryoursalesblindspot.com. My gosh, I'm so going to take that. Very interested. And we're going to, of course, drop all those links in the show notes so folks can find them. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Launch Playbook Podcast. Thanks for having me. It was great. So much fun. Thanks for tuning into the Launch Playbook Podcast. If you want to get weekly launch secrets in your ears, I hope you'll hit subscribe on iTunes. You'll never miss an episode because who knows? It could reveal just a thing you've been looking for to make your next launch a success. And be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes telling me how this episode inspired your launch plans. Until next time, keep putting your big ideas out into the world. I'm rooting for you.